Hello? Cool. Looks like, Richie, you're on now. Sweet. What's up, brother? Hey, man. How you doing? I had to send you another link. Yeah, that's no big deal. Oh, you're cool. I, I went in and changed some settings on my phone, too. I think, uh, I don't know. It wasn't my my microphone wasn't letting me connect for whatever reason. So yeah, that's been. weird. This this app is like kind of finicky. Eventually, yeah. one of these days, when we like figure out technology, hopefully we'll uh, figure out a better way to do this shit. But Kayla, looks like you're on too. What's I up? I am. Hi. There's a just you just made me think of something. There's another program out there which you can join from phone or on a computer that I, you guys probably already know all this, but if you need me to send that to you, I can't remember the name of it, but somebody else I know uses it. And multiple people have said, this is the best one to use if you're doing like remote recording between people that aren't in the room with you. So if you're looking no. for one for the future, I know it's going to be a bit, but yeah, let me know if you want me to send it your way. Dude, uh, yeah, absolutely. We just started doing this um, like a couple months ago and this was the, like probably the first one that we tried and, it seemed to work out okay. The last recording we tried to do, it fucked up a couple of times, but um, whatever. I mean, it's it's not a bad one. Like, this app is pretty right. friendly. It just, sometimes we have some technical difficulties, and, like, if you drop signal, just try and click the link again, or I think that happened a couple of times to us last time with uh, some of the other guys we were with. Okay. But thanks for, thanks for doing this with us. Um, this is actually my first time ever talking to you, but uh, my brother's on here too, Richie. Um, Hi, Richie. Yeah. Hi, Kayla. It's nice, it's nice to meet you, even though it's not face-to-face. It's nice yeah, to uh, connect totally. with you. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so we've been, we've been doing this. You know, we started this a couple of months ago, like I say, just for me and my brother to kind of do a way, you know, a, a good way for us to keep in touch. And uh, yeah. it kind of has morphed into us finding interesting people to talk with occasionally and uh, figure out, you know, what makes them tick their story. And yours is a pretty cool one because I've learned about you, I guess, like it was probably about a year ago. Now, one of my buddies recommended that I follow your, your like Facebook blog. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, what's it, what it's called? Like a captain's log. Yeah. A captain's log. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I followed that and I followed you on, instagram and stuff and uh i won't get into it too much i'll let you kind of talk about it but it's it's pretty interesting stuff and uh so yeah so if you want if you want to just kind of take the reins we'll kind of hop in whenever okay Um, sure but yeah tell us a little bit about yourself what you're doing where you where you know how you started all this and uh we'll just kind of go from there okay before i do that if you don't mind just really quickly i'm curious about you guys tyler i know you're from what I understand in the army. Right. And Richie, are you in the military too at all? So I, I, I'll jump in and then I'll let Tyler finish with that. I, uh, I was in the national guard for six years here in Indiana. So, okay. Um, but yeah, so I was in the military, uh, did one contract. It was one of those, like, I wanted to do it. I always wanted to do it. I waited till later in life to do it. And I already kind of had a career going. So the national guard was kind of my yeah. best option. You know what I mean? It was like mm-hmm. I could have my family, my civilian career, and then do soldier stuff on the weekend. So, uh, but I, okay, cool. But yeah, I loved it. I uh, got to kind of scratch that itch for a few years. And uh, yeah. And then, yeah, Tyler, you go ahead, man. He's active duty right now. 
Yeah, so I'm active duty. I've been on active duty since 2012. Um, EOD officer. I'm currently stationed down in uh, Eglin Air Force Base as an instructor. Um, but I've been a little bit all over. I mean, Virginia, here in Florida, I was stationed in Washington at JBLM for a little while. Um, spent my last three and a half years or so in Alaska before I came here. Um, deployed once oh, wow. to Afghanistan. And, you know coming up on the 10 year mark. So I feel at this time I'm a little bit pot committed, which I'm hoping that you'll kind of get into too, because you have a completely different perspective on all of that. And it's an interesting one. Um, just, but it's a lot of that's based on your experience uh, with kind of maybe like not necessarily the greatest leadership styles that you encountered mm-hmm. while you were on active duty um and uh you know because so, you were you were a west point commission weren't you yes yes i was yeah so when did you graduate in commission 2012 2012 yeah so we're yeah. the exact same year group <laughs> that's pretty wild um, yeah that's hilarious so um <laughs> when were you at jblm i i you? uh let's see i was at jblm from 2017 to until i got out which would have been 2020 Okay. Yeah. So I was there, you got there right after I left. I left there in 2016, the very beginning of 2016. So you went there after you went there after the career course. Yeah. Yes. Correct. Okay. I went there, I left there and went to the career course and then I went back to Alaska. That would have been really funny if we were there at the same time, but it was a nice place. Yeah. I enjoyed JBLM. It was, it was, it was cool. The the location was cool, you know? Totally. Um, I don't know that it was a great army experience for me necessarily just because it was, it was a huge installation. I got yeah. fortunate. I was in a, I was in a good unit. I had, I had really great leadership while I was there. Um, but the, the installation was just huge. There was a lot going on. You know, you had i there. There was a couple of different brigade echelons. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just a, there was a lot going on, man. And, uh, but yeah, JBLM was cool. I, I would probably go back if I had the opportunity. I agree. I agree yeah. totally. But Florida ain't too bad either. That's Where true. Florida doesn't suck. I mean, it, it is hot as shit down here. I mean, the people that live here are lunatics because <laughs> the, it you know, especially in the summer, June, July, August, seems like that's when the most people are here, just tourism and stuff. And in my opinion, that is the worst time to be in this state because you just wow. can't go outside. It's too hot. It's too humid. Um, but this it, is it's why cool. Floridians it's, are crazy, and you get Florida man doing exactly batshit yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah, that, and that's exactly true. Like the stuff you see on the stuff you see on social media about the stuff Florida people say and Florida people do is laughably accurate like it's not a stereotype when it's true you know what i mean <laughs> yeah these florida yep. people are lunatics uh, but, okay I'll, yeah cool i just wanted to understand your guys's background a little bit too and and where you guys are at and everything so indiana and florida cool um yeah. that's really neat that you guys have done this as a way to catch up with each other and stay connected that's really cool but um i'll bring it back to what you initially asked me and what i'm doing now it Basically, I was in active duty for eight years, and then I knew for quite a while that I wanted to leave active duty, and so I made plans. I wanted to go live in a van for a little bit and do some traveling and some type of volunteering and then go to grad school at some point, and so I just had this loose idea, and I knew I wanted to have a lot of time off right after, and so 
back at, I think a little bit before career course, I started researching vans and like looking at all this stuff and I'd been saving money for a long time to prepare for this and stuff. So yeah, I did that. And then when I got to JBLM, my final duty station, that's when I finally found the van in 2017, went up and got it in Canada. It's imported from Japan. And I was living at a campground in Olympia. I bought a campsite, actually. This is a weird little kind of deal they have here. It's called a camping club. So it's kind of like an RV park on steroids where they have coin laundry. They have a gym. It's kind of a dinky little place. There's a pond that's stocked with fish. There's a bunch of old people there. There's a little bit of riffraff. But I bought a campsite and I have a storage shed there with all of my shit in it and um, so it's kind of like my home base right now and I can park vehicles there. I have all my stuff. There's bathroom showers, laundry, so I can crash there if I'm like need a place to, to stay. And it's so cheap. It's, it's, and my dad has moved all of his stuff there too now because he sold his house. So now we split the bill every month. So literally anywhere from a hundred bucks a month to 200 and, and change a month. And so we split it and we have vehicles there. I mean, you cannot get a storage unit for that cheap where you can also sleep there. So it turned out being really great. So anyway, I have that. And then just have just been driving around in my van for the past uh, nine months now. That's awesome. So like you, so you reside in Washington, right? But you're kind of like a self-identified or self-chosen to be like a homeless veteran a little bit in a, in a, in a certain sense, which is kind of cool. Yeah, totally, totally. So it's like, I have that there and I mean, there's nothing I can park my van on it and sleep there and I have electricity if I need it and stuff, but really just using it almost as a storage unit and then emergency crash pad kind of. And That's then, but awesome. otherwise, other than that, like traveling around, like you said, and just being homeless really. That's pretty cool. Richie and I have this like little, like, like every now and then we'll send each other like old shitty RVs <laughs> and like yes. Volkswagen buses that we'll find. <laughs> on yeah. like the Facebook marketplace that's like out in like the middle of nowhere, Minnesota. Right. And some dude selling some old van for like 80 bucks that, you know, and it's, <laughs> and it's like, like, he's brother, like, Hey man, this is it. This is what we need right here. And we, one of these days we're going to pull the trigger and do exactly what you're doing, but we just haven't gotten up the gumption yet to like make it happen. Yeah. That's pretty cool. We're actually, um, my boyfriend and I are looking at a van right now that is like, I want to say it's like uh 1500 bucks on the internet, but it's a Ford really old from the sixties. I think it's a 67 Ford Econo line. I'll let you know how it turns out. This thing looks badass. It has a pop top. It doesn't run, but my boyfriend Perfect. like is a mechanic. So, you know, that's one of the things you can really, you buy it so cheap when they don't run, when there's mechanical issues and you can really, there's a big Delta there. If you have mechanical experience, you yeah. can flip that thing, you know, and, and, make some money off of it. But yeah, it's, there's a lot of interesting stuff on Craigslist and Facebook marketplace for real. That's awesome. Yeah. Richie, have you found anything like, you know, worth sinking a hundred bucks into lately? Oh yeah, man. I'm always, uh, when I got time to kill at work, I'll, I, that's what I do. I get on Facebook marketplace and I make a list of stuff that, you know, it's why, it's why God won't let me ever win the lottery. Cause he knows that I would blow it on, you know, I'd have a junkyard someplace <laughs> full of stuff that doesn't work. You know what I mean? But I'd love to play with it. It'd be so awesome. But yeah, yeah. man, that stuff's always out there. I think so, actually the most recent thing I saw was a hearse for sale. And that's a oh little creepy God. at a certain level. But I was like, think of the story. You know what I mean? Yes. 
you can you can definitely lay down back there and sleep. You could put like a you could put like a full size mattress in the back of that thing. Totally. Hey, and nobody would mess with you either. They'd be like, "That's creepy as fuck." They yeah. wouldn't even want to. <laughs> right. No, that's perfect. Yeah. Dude. Man. So, do you only have one vehicle, like like one bus, or do you have two? Like, do you have an extra vehicle to drive, or is your your sole transportation that van? My sole transportation is the van. I just kind of recently sold my little Subaru hatchback that I had have had since 2013. And, and it, I didn't sell it before I left on this trip because it, things just got hectic. And it worked out because used car prices were pretty good um, when I just sold it about a month ago, I think. So it, it all worked out. I just stored it for a little bit at my lot, my campsite. Um, so I have this one car and, or this one van. And then uh, we also have an electric dirt bike that's on the back of it for like emergency transportation if we need to like the van breaks down we need to ride to go get cell phone service or whatever that hasn't happened at all yet but it's just nice to have a little bit of a sense of security with that so it's just those two things and that's it wow that's awesome and you're doing like straight up minimalist like living you know like based on like what i'm seeing on your social media you're doing like i mean you got like camp stoves and you got water purification stuff and um I don't know. Or do you do like, do you mess with like solar stuff or like, how do you do all that? Yeah. So it is pretty minimalist, you know, like you can get everything on the spectrum. You guys have seen like the charter bus sized motor homes all the way down to like, I think mine is probably about the smallest, like that could be classified as a recreational vehicle. You know, it's a very, it's like the smallest van possible. Probably uh, even the Volkswagen pop tops are a slightly longer and slightly wider so if that gives you a good idea of how how tiny they are on the inside but so yeah it has to it has it has been very very minimalist this entire time but it's honestly not been that bad and it's been me and my boyfriend so two people six three but he it's been I mean I'm glad that it hasn't been a problem that the van is short so you can't stand up in it unless you pop the top and that adds about three feet and then we do that a lot of times he'll use that pop top areas like a standing desk or we'll just throw stuff up there for extra storage and then we do have 300 watts of solar panels on that on top of that roof um my boyfriend fabricated a, a roof rack to mount those on and then we found an awesome awesome solar setup at costco actually costco outfitted a lot of our stuff so we had we got our giant solar generator and battery storage we have 3,000 watt hours and it powers the fridge and laptops and cameras and all that stuff and then we got a really cool chest fridge slash freezer and so it's about the size of like a bigger ice chest and it opens like an ice chest kind of and you can set the temperature on it it can go it can go all the way to like below freezing and all everything inside would be frozen or it can be a refrigerator you can't have it's not a dual compartment dual zone with both but that's all right and so it enables us to go out for at least a week maybe more with sunshine and we can power all that stuff and our food supply and, and go pretty, pretty far off into the boonies with it. That's incredible. So like, how, I mean, you strike me as like a pretty like healthy individual. What's how difficult is that to like prepare and take all that stuff? Cause like, you're not eating at like McDonald's and like Whataburger every other day. Like you're, you're packing like a week's worth of like, stuff to prepare and like cooking all that like is that like is that difficult i i would say it's not easy you know i was like 
I'm sick of eating out while I'm in the army. Like I would go through binges of field of, of uh, food prepping for the week. And then times when I'm just eating out because we're like staying late, trying to prep for JRTC or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, and so I was like, okay, I cannot wait till I can focus on my health and myself and, and all of that while I'm doing this. And it's actually been more challenging than I thought because the fridge is, uh, I can't think of how many liters it is or quarts off the top of my head, but it's like an ice chest size. So there's yeah. a limit to amount of food, especially with a dude. Like if, it, if I were by myself, I could probably go for two weeks. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when there's two people eating, you're trying to like put meat and fresh vegetables and, and things. And there's only so much you can fit. And so, of course, there's some canned goods like beans and, and stuff like that, too. And then a, a, a ton of rice and stuff. But it's not easy, you know. You're try- I'm trying to be super health conscious, but there's definitely things where I'm like, I wish – I had the ability to, to carry more food so I could be a bit more healthy. Like things are just the smaller, the space, ironically, it's added a lot of inconvenience because, you know, it's cheaper to go to Costco and buy like, you know, however many chicken breasts, two dozen chicken breasts in a big pack, and then put them in the freezer, prep them all up, whatever, make everything at once in a big kitchen. And you've got 10 meals ready or or however you do it, you know, but Mm -hmm. when you're doing it like this, I mean, there's no way you can do that. You can get, bring a little bit of everything in the van then you cook a couple meals and all of it's work. Cause like you said, you, I mean, we have a camp stove, so it's one burner. Like everything is such a process, which is kind of good because then it forces your pace to slow down because you know, when you're just going a million miles an hour, working hard, a lot of hours, like meal prep is like the thing because you can just make all this food and it's super efficient. And then you don't even think about it. And like there is value in that, but this is, I mean, it takes me, it takes me probably 10 minutes total to make a cup of coffee for myself. Cause I have a hand grinder that I grind the beans and I do boil the water with my jet oil and go through this whole process. But honestly, it's good. Cause I'm not drinking six to eight cups of coffee a day anymore because it's a pain in the ass. And also I'm not exhausted. <laughs> so, I mean, it's a, so it's pros and cons, but it's definitely not as easy as I thought it would be. There's something to be said about that, about kind of forcing your pace to slow down, especially coming from being, you know, being active duty for eight years or whatever you were. I mean, it there, there's the the op tempo that you encountered, and I'm sure going, you know, the 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 training exercises, the JRTC rotations, the normal grind that comes with like an active duty lifestyle, and then constantly go go go. Um, and a lot of time you, you really do lose the ability to kind of focus on, to focus on that kind of stuff. And you're always going a million miles an hour and forcing yourself to slow down. I would, I would assume that it's gotta be at least a little bit enjoyable to me. It sounds, it sounds like a pain in the ass. Like you said, to, to, to spend 10 minutes making a cup of coffee when I can make an entire pot in three minutes at my house. Mm -hmm. Um, but you're, you're right. Like there's, I, I bet that cup of coffee, that, that, that cup of coffee that you make that you spend 10 minutes probably tastes way better than any cup of coffee. You can go spend eight bucks on at Starbucks. <laughs> totally. Totally. And you know what? I'm not, it's not even that long of a time for me. I was reading about a guy in a magazine who went to go work as a, as a cowboy, like on a ranch for a year down in Argentina and they were like straight up off grid roughing it down there. And for him to make a cup of coffee, he had to go out and get firewood to start a fire to boil his water in a pot. So his took about like 30 minutes to make a cup of coffee. So I'm like, you know what? 
I can't even be complaining, but he, he also alluded to that, the author of this article about just like what you're saying, there's something to be said for slowing down because we are so overstimulated and inundated. I mean, whether it's your work or your family or just the internet, just noise going on around us. And we're just so distracted all the time. I struggle with that still, you know? And yeah. so I think yeah, I would, slowing down is helpful with that. Yeah. I was going to say that. I think that's just the world's norm, right? Is that you're, you should always be moving and doing something and trying to keep up with whoever or the latest and greatest this or that. So yeah, to, to take a step back and be able to just mellow out and enjoy a cup of coffee. Like I drink coffee all the time, but I don't know that I'd actually say I've enjoyed coffee ever <laughs> you know it's like a necessity it's like oh, i gotta have this coffee so i can keep going and do yep. more you know what i mean so it's like ah kind of you know very poetic there i was like maybe i need to try to enjoy a cup of coffee at some point in the next couple of days <laughs> totally low coffee yeah totally and richie so, yeah. you do a pretty good job of that like you because i know every now and then speaking of just being overstimulated you 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 take like hiatuses from social media and the internet and you'll because every now and then you'll 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 straight up say uh I'll, I'll be following you and you'll be like hey guys taking a few weeks off it's getting too crazy out there i'm gonna take six weeks or, or however long and sometimes longer and just unplug and just yeah. focus on focus on you and in your job and your family and you know do stuff like that and i don't do that enough i used to i used to be better at it um, I don't, I don't do that nearly enough, but that's, that's definitely important. And that definitely speaks to, you know, not to get into the, the mental health aspect too early and get this, get this podcast taking a, taking a dark turn here, but that's gotta <laughs> be something that is, is why the mental health crisis that exists all throughout the country, not, not just in the army and in the military, but, um, that's gotta have huge impacts on just society and the reason why so many people are just struggling. Have, have you guys seen the social dilemma? Either of you two, the documentary? Yes, I have. I haven't seen that yet. No, but it's on my watch list. Okay. It had been on my watch list for a while. I bet you'll really enjoy it, Richie, especially being someone who takes deliberate breaks from this stuff because, Oh, it is wild to think about some of this and how we're all kind of just being, infected really yeah programmed it is it is scary it's so it's just like anything though you know it's like guns or like you know so social media it's like there's two sides to every coin you know so there's really cool stuff that happens like we're seeing with the as an example the refugees um leaving afghanistan right now and being evacuated and a lot of it through social media but then like there's all this dark stuff that goes on and it's pretty interesting it was really like un unsettling when I first watched it because I, I could see myself in a lot of the characters in that film. And it was like, I know I do the exact same stuff that these people are exhibiting and I exhibit the exact same. Yes. Behaviors. And after I watched that, I would, I, I tried and I, I, it's been a couple of months since I've done this, but I'll, you know, occasionally I'll just leave my phone at home when I go to work. Right. Um, cause I, I mean, I just, I, I just work 15 or 20 minutes down the, down the road and I'll just deliberately leave my phone at the house and the anxiety that I have when I don't have my phone on that first day within an arm's reach of myself is a little bit embarrassing, you know what I mean? Yeah. But 
when it seems like after I get past that initial kind of like not feeling great about it, like, Oh man, I don't have my phone. I'm not going to be able to, you know, be on social media or call or text or what if something crazy happens, which it never does. Um, (laughs) You know, and everybody that needs to have my work contact if some, for, for whatever reason, a, you know, an emergency did happen, they all have it and they can get it. They can get in touch with me at a moment's notice Um, is, uh, it's it's just it's crazy it is a little bit crazy yeah totally like I, I know exactly what you mean like when I lose my phone and I just don't know where it is I definitely have a panic moment and it's like really why mm-hmm. is this even a thing it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous but it's even more ridiculous to know that it's all like it's all by design you know and it's not like not conspiracy theory going down that rabbit hole but I just mean where they want us to buy stuff and like buy our attention and so it just these companies, you know, they want our attention and it is what it is, but yeah, definitely. You'll like that. It'll, it'll make maybe make you take an even longer hiatus, Richie. Once you watch that, you're going to be like, yep, I'm over it. <laughs> I may I may check out officially and do uh, I don't know if you guys, <clears throat> Tyler, you might know, and, and, and you may know as well. Uh, but a guy named Richard Prinicky is somebody that I've always aspired to be like at some point in my life. Um, but he was a guy in like his fifties. He just, kind of packed up one day and moved to Alaska and like built a cabin and was a hermit for the longest time, you know? So it's kind of like, I always yeah. have, you know, like, man, one of these days I'm just going to disappear into the woods and you know, <laughs> my wife will know where I am and that's it. You know, like, it'll be great. Yeah. 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 Well, so on, on my end right now, I'm kind of like at the end of the van trip portion, I was thinking of doing it for like a year plus or minus a couple of months. I wasn't really sure what it was going to look like, but so I'm at nine months now and I'm pretty much like winding it down because I'm about to go do some international traveling and I'm leaving for Costa Rica in two weeks. And so I'm trying to just get all my stuff together and pack and get all the immunizations I need and, and flights and everything arranged with stuff I got going on. So I'm going to keep the van and put it in storage because if the borders all close if my grad school gets delayed, if a bunch of crazy stuff happens, I'm just going to take a longer van trip and come back to the U S cause there's lots of stuff I didn't get to see. So that's kind of where, what my plans are looking like right now. So is your boyfriend going to Costa Rica with you or is this a solo trip and how this long are you a, staying over there? This is a solo trip and I'm going for 10 weeks. I'm going to be a research assistant. It's an internship with a Marine conservation organization and, and they're down there. Um, specifically for turtle breeding, uh, sea turtle breeding season. So they're going to have tons of eggs being laid by female turtles and lots of like tagging and measuring and like night patrols. You go, they, they lay their eggs, I guess at low tide is what I'm learning. And so that changes all the time. And so you're going out any time from 7 PM to 5 AM at night, like going out there to mark spots where they're laying eggs and everything. And then you know, tracking like predation and stuff where people dig them up to eat them and then moving eggs that are at risk into hatcheries. And then once they're ready to be about ready to hatch, collect them to the exact spot where they were laid and release them. Because I guess once the babies are born, they imprint a specific the specific location of where they hatch at. And that's where they return when they're adult females to, to lay eggs. So I'm doing huh. that for 10 weeks. And my boyfriend's going to do some stuff that he has wanted to do, go down to California and hang out and then visit some friends and stuff. And then after that, I've got a 10 week internship in Belize 
with a Jaguar population monitoring project. It's, it's um, non-invasive. So I, I doubt I'll even see a Jaguar. It's more so like game camera setup stuff and stuff like that. And then after that, I have 10 weeks lined up in Kenya with an elephant conservation project. And these aren't all consecutive. I have like two to five weeks in, in between each one where I'm going to try to do some recreational travel pending all like COVID border closures and all of that stuff. So then that's when I'll hopefully meet up with my boyfriend and meet somewhere cool and try to like check out some new countries or some new areas that we both haven't been to. Wow. Damn. That's, that's like, that's like the next six months of your life kind of pretty much all Oconus, huh? Yes. Yeah. I'm pretty pumped. And then after that, I'm going to grad school in Australia if Australia's borders are open. So it's what like, are you I, going to grad school for? I'm, I'm studying a master of global development. And I don't know if either of you are, are familiar with development studies, but it's basically Not even a little bit now. Okay. So <laughs> it's the large umbrella of development underneath that would be like dealing with refugee. And I'm even rusty. I'm no expert. I just have my general superficial knowledge, but stuff related to humanitarian work, aid work, um, dealing with refugees and displaced persons, um, sustainability type, like environmental sustainability stuff. So all of that's kind of under the umbrella of development development, and it's kind of aimed towards developing countries or countries that, that are trying to basically, you're trying to basically give them the equal access to human rights, access to um, amenities and all of the things that we have in de the developed world, basically. So that, and also with an emphasis on wildlife conservation. So kind of like the intersection of where society, human society and nature meet. So for me, I'm like, I'm interested in counter poaching or illegal wildlife trafficking. I'm interested in sustainable agriculture. I'm interested in, you know, anything to do with basically where humans and nature interact and, and there's problems and like how to solve all of that and make nature and, and humans exist in harmony, because I do think that's possible. So that's kind of what I'm looking at, I'd like to get a bit more specific because there's just so much out there. So that's kind of why I'm doing these internships so I can be like, okay, I don't like this. I do like that. Oh, that's really interesting. This region is really interesting. So to give myself some data points so I can kind of get more specific when I get there, if I want to do like a, a thesis or anything. Wow. That's pretty cool. Do you have like a end state, like a focus on like where you want to end up, like what part of the world you want to be? Do you want to come back to the United States and do this when you're done with grad school? Are you trying to like maybe go, I don't know, somewhere more tropical, like Costa Rica, staying at, kicking in Australia? Like what's, what's the goal with that? I don't know, you know, but I do know that I don't want to come back to the U.S. for a while just because there's just so much out there to see. And mm -hmm. I've always had an affinity for international traveling. I know some people like, you know, just like to stay in the U.S. because there is a lot to see in the U.S. too. And I do like that and traveling in the U.S. But there's something about being overseas. And I really do. I mean, I think I do like tropical, um, tropical locations. I do like marine type conservation too. This place where I'm, I'm going to grad school, it's in a, a city called Cairns, like aluminum cans. That's how Australians pronounce it. But it's spelled Cairns. And it's on the, the East coast of Australia. And it's, I never even knew this place existed until I started researching, but it's known as the Hawaii of Australia. And it's right next to, on the coast, next to the Great Barrier Reef. And there's a tropical rainforest right there. So it's a huge kind of like tourist destination, but it's a smaller city, not a huge city. Um, but 
got a really good like restaurant and stuff to do scene kind of in the city area. And then it's a college town and then there's all this outdoor stuff to do. And I really, really deliberately picked that place because the program was an exact match for me, but also because I'm like, okay, I need to, I mean, I think like most of us, we get so wrapped up in this really achievement driven kind of like, you know, I got to get, get this, check all these blocks to, to feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm quote unquote successful. And you know, one of those is like, what's, Oh, what school did you go to? I got my degree from here. And there's nothing, I mean, there's great schools out there and I appreciate that people value that. And I'm not like downing that at all, but I'm like, I know myself and I, I want to focus on what am I doing outside of school? Well, I want to be doing stuff outside. That's really cool and interesting and, and challenging myself and learning new things. Like Maybe I'll learn to scuba dive. I don't know. Like maybe I'll learn some, some crazy new type of dance or something. I don't know, but I want to challenge myself to be more creative and to do more things outside and to enjoy myself and to have balance in my life. Like things that I have not even given a second thought before. Cause I'm like, okay, I got to get to the next step. I got to get to the next thing. I got to overload myself to, to whatever. Well, I don't even know what I was chasing, but anyway, that's kind of why I've picked this because I think it'll kind of be a forcing function for me to try to do that. That's awesome. I wonder, um, let's see. So Richie, yo, what, like, I mean, do you, I'm, I'm looking for like the next interlude into that conversation. Cause I had a really good question, but I lost it. Um, <laughs> but, um, no problem. Uh, it's out there still. <laughs> yeah. So, so, I guess like, so, so you kind of bounce around from, from job to job too, man. So um, you really never kind of force foresaw you like, so you, you're working at that steel mill now, right? Yeah. So what, Cause I know you were not necessarily not happy with your, with your previous job, you know, but like what, what kind of led you into doing your, doing your current role, man? So, yeah. So I think at a certain point and, and kind of gets back to, you know, the, you're going to go to a certain school and you're on this path or whatever, um, what success looks like, at least what you think other people think success looks like. So, you know, I I guess like for me, um, in high school, they're like, you got to go to college or you'll never do anything. So I was like, okay, I'll go to college. And I did that. And I, I, uh, I got a degree. Uh, my background is, is kind of social worky, helping people. That's what I always saw myself doing. Um, so I went and studied that and I got, got into that and, uh, did that for a lot of years and really enjoyed it. Um, but man, I just, at certain point, it just, uh, you hear so many sad stories or you, you deal with so many tough situations, you get kind of compassion fatigue is what it was described to me as at one point. Like, you know, it's just, it's hard to my last, my last job right before I went to the steel mill. Um, I was working in like a substance abuse kind of situation where I was helping families who had their children removed and trying to coach them and get them back together. And um, just a lot of, you know, heartache and, and hard, hard things to, to see and hear and do year after year. So for me, like uh, and you carry that stuff with you, like it's heavy, heavy stuff. So, like, you know, I would spend all my time at work and then I would come home and be doing like writing reports or, you know, prepping mm-hmm. notes for court to go testify in this whatever. So it was kind of like, man, I just, you know, 
at the end of the day, what I knew that I wanted to be when I was younger, I always wanted to be a husband and a father. Like, and that's a whole other thing we could talk about. But, you know, um, come from a, a, a broken home sort of thing. You know, our fathers kind of left when we were younger and uh, raised by a single mom and, and, you know, struggled through through many of those years. So I knew when I grew up that I wanted to have a whole complete family and, and do that. Um, but I wasn't, you know, I was, I guess, checking all the boxes, you know, like I went to college and got a degree and I'm helping people and I'm making a difference, but it's just, um, you know, it was tough on your family life. So anyway, I had a friend who I'd served uh, in the national guard with, who was working at the steel mill. And um, it was just a, a kind of a, total switch for me you know uh i kind of decided that the, the children that i needed to help the most in this world were probably my own <laughs> so yeah i went and got this the job at the steel mill which i love I, I work in a lab and i test material and you know i get to break stuff all day uh for for a living and i leave it all there and i come home and i get to be fully dad fully husband um you know so i don't bring home with work home with me anymore so yeah it's kind of you know I, I was trying for years to to i guess impress people or do you know you know be everything to everybody and i, I really needed to focus that a time and attention on you know the the three people that really matter the most my wife and my two kids and uh, not worry so much about impressing the world you know so it's kind of definitely yeah, there, there, there's definitely something to be said about that. You know, there's a lot of different ways that we kind of define success. And, yeah. you know, we've we've all seen it from being in the from spending our different amounts of time in the military. And everybody knows that that guy or gal who's solely identifies with their 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 career. And that kind of is the you know, the, the main, um, you know the main thing that they kind of hang their hat on, you know, mm -hmm. is what they, what they've done, what they've accomplished, who they've, who they became, if they've come up out of struggle or worked so hard to achieve this, this kind of level of status. And at the end of the day, um, your, your title that you carry or the, the, you know, the diploma that you can hang on the wall is, is pretty immaterial in the grand scheme of things. Mm -hmm. um, and, really it's it's kind of what we're what we're accomplishing who we're impacting who we're helping um is really what we what we can do to that, that actually fucking matters you know and, and and kayla i know you probably have encountered a lot of that and that that and i wonder if that was so did you always have the you know the intention of doing eight years and then and then getting out and exploring exploring different options or was it was it something else that kind of drove you to to exit the military when you did um and if so what was that um and what what kind of led you to to go ahead and get started on this path now well i i i knew pretty early and like i remember at some point early on when i was a pl i was becoming very frustrated and i i mean i imagine that's any new lieutenant <laughs> as you kind of like your eyes are open to like what i thought the army was and what the army actually is yeah so there's that. And I was just like, this can't be real. And it's just, I, I felt like, I don't know. I, I don't, I am, I tend to be a very positive person, but I, I felt like I saw a lot of 
things that were just really disheartening that I didn't think were going to change. And it kept repeating itself over and over. So there wasn't one big, like terrible traumatic event that that happened and kind of like flipped my switch where I'm like, I'm getting out, but it was more so like a bunch of little things that I just saw repetitively. And, and it kind of just discouraged me more and more over time. But um, I don't know if either of you know what this is, but I had a, a an additional duty service obligation ad so yep. for graduate school. So it was a grad so. Mm-hmm. And anyway, it, it's a long story, but it was a it was a not a good choice. And it kept me in for eight years, which I'm now thankful because I have the GI Bill. But I could have left it at five and I'm I'm I don't regret my path at all. And I'm glad I ended up staying in for, for eight. But but yeah, I, I had been for many years, I mean, at least I would say by first lieutenant, by the time I was a senior PL, I was like, okay, I'm going to get out as soon as I can. And that was eight years from now. So and I, I mean, I'm not going to check out because that's a long time to be checked out. Like you're not going to have a good time. So I was like, I just have to try to stay as positive as possible and work really hard and try try to do what I can within my small little sphere of influence to have a positive impact on the people around me and learn as much as I can about other people and myself and, you know, and take, take the opportunity for what it is. And then when the time comes, you know, prepare and be ready to move on. So I left on to the exact day, eight years, as early as I was able to based off of my contract. And it honestly worked out just great. I'm glad I I got to stay as long as I did and have all the experiences and, and, and everything. And it's interesting because, you know, a lot of, I, I see just a lot of commentary now about like getting out as soon as you can so you can get a start on your civilian career because you'll make more money and like staying in is stupid and you're an idiot if you stay in kind of thing. And I don't, I mean, I don't necessarily think that either. And I think that like for me staying as long as I did, it gave me a lot of good experiences and weirdly enough, like made me very desirable for all of these conser- wildlife conservation internships that from what I understand, a couple of them are pretty competitive. And I was like really surprised, but you know, you wouldn't think that anything I really did would translate and in, into that, but it, it did. So I, I'm, I'm thankful overall for how all that played out. At the end of the day, it seems like it worked out pretty well for you. Um, totally. It's, it's, it's interesting though, because you kind of always wonder um, what, what it would have been had, had you, uh, cause I, I don't know who, like what, what your, you know, your, your leadership situation was when you were a Lieutenant or, or whatever created those compounding, you know, issues that when you're, but I, I know so many people that exited the army early when in reality, it's generally those people that get out really early that probably could have made like the biggest amount of impact to the army overall, but are just so disenfranchised and so frustrated that they're like, you know what, man, it's just not worth it. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not happy. I'm not enjoying it. Um, I need to go try something different when had they, and a lot of it's, a lot of it's just shit luck. You know, Mm -hmm. it's your, it's, it's, it's a bad first duty station. It's a bad company commander. It's a, it's a tough deployment or tough op tempo that you're dealing with. Um, And had they, you know, they're, they're, maybe their first duty station been a, been a different situation. Um, they might've stuck around and, and done something, you know, done something different in the army or, or whatever branch of service it was. But right. um, I, I don't, I, I'm kind of like you, I don't subscribe to the, 
idea that, um, you know, it's, it's things, things work out bad, but I think everything kind of, kind of works out the way that it's supposed to in the end of the day. And if you're, if you're, if you're going to exit, exit on good terms and, and try something else and do whatever, kind of follow whatever makes you happy. You know what I mean? Totally. Totally. And like, for me, you know, I had some really good leaders. It was probably about one out of every three. I feel like if I had to like try to lay those statistics out that were just like so solid that I would do anything for. Hey, that's then, a Hall like, of Fame career in baseball. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, you know, seeing overweight field grade officers or my company commander who was overweight and hid in his office during PT and like just to the, you know, incompetent people, people who blatantly didn't care about you know, we had to do as an example, I was an MP. So we had to do like DUI checkpoints at like three o'clock in the morning when it's 10 degrees outside and I'm standing out there and a bunch of us are standing out there in the platoon and it's like freezing. And my company commander's like, oh, I'm going to come out and, and, and be out there with you guys. And he like fell asleep in his heated vehicle parked about 30 feet away behind a corner. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me. This dude's asleep in the heated vehicle. So just stuff like that, where you just see, I mean, some of it's the bureaucracy, some of it's the bad leaders. And I was like, man, I just, some people operate in it and flourish, but for me, it just drained my soul. Some of that stuff. And like you said, some of it's luck, some of it's unit, some of it's your organization. I mean, if people get to a soft organization, it might be better or, or like you, Richie, I mean, being in the guard, you say you loved it. I really think the reserve component is like this hidden gem where it's like, if people, did some active duty and they're like, okay, I'm ready to go start my civilian career and just switched over to the reserve component and got to still contribute and do some army stuff that they enjoyed and, you know, get benefits and all of that. Like, I think, I think a lot of people would really enjoy that. And what's interesting is like at ROTC, it's from what I understand, kind of, kind of pushed down everyone's throats that active duty is the way to go. And like, you want to get active duty and, you know, the OML is based off of that. But I mean, I'm telling people now, like cadets that I talk to that, I, I, I highly recommend that they consider at least consider putting the reserve component as their preference, because I mean, you can, you can have it all, it seems like, and it's not always easy, but you can, you can do a lot of this stuff and it's kind of looked down upon, unfortunately, like the guard and the reserves, but, but yeah, I don't know if you experienced that at all, Richie, when you were in the guard. Yeah. So I would say the the most difficult part about the guard is, you know, you're you're held to a full time full time standard, but you're only doing it part time. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it's you know, I know the the people who are most successful, they they make it a regular part of their life, not just one weekend a month, you know, two weeks out of the year kind of thing. So yeah, it's it was nice. I enjoyed it because I was able to do both. Um, but yeah, you really have to be uh, dedicated to it to make it. Uh, uh, there are some people, I know several guys that are still in and they're going to be 20 year, you know, national guard guys and they just, they love it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yep. it's like they're active duty, but they just, you know, they also have a civilian gig too <laughs> in their mm-hmm. mind. You know what I mean? so it's, but it was, it was a great deal. And, uh, but yeah, I, I think more people. I think more people should serve just as a general, just to have that experience, good, bad, or otherwise, you know what I mean? To, I think it would help our society on a certain totally. level. If we all yeah. joined hands and said, you know what, we're going to protect this country together, you know, kind of thing. So I think, uh, yeah, 
everybody would benefit from some length of service. There's something yeah, to be said about in you know in enjoying or 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 not enjoying, but doing doing that for a couple of years and either having a great experience or having a really shit experience. Um, you're gonna you're gonna learn and you're gonna grow um, as a person, and it's definitely gonna help you out later on in life. I mean, Richie, you work for you, you told me the other day that your boss was an ex marine, right? Yeah, and he's probably he's probably one of the best bosses you've ever had. Oh, for sure, and and um, a lot of, a lot of the guys on our crew are. I think he kind of handpicks, you know, he, when he's hiring people, he's looking for former military and we've, we've got a, a real solid group of guys, Marines, Navy guys, army guys. Um, mm-hmm. and they all, you know, we understand what it is to, to work together and to do, you know, this is our mission. This is our task today and this, we're going to get it done. So, but you learn all that through, you know, through the, the military, uh, experience you know being part totally. of a team you know it's a great they have a great training program for that <laughs> so yeah. um but yeah but yeah it, i i think everybody should have that experience for sure. the amount of the amount of resilience that you're going to develop just by spending a little bit of time doing some totally. dumb shit in the army yeah. is uh is incredible it's it, you're you're gonna become more resilient by being in the army than by sitting through all that all that you know MRT training stuff that they make us do every year or every quarter or whatever it is, but just by like, you know what, we have to do all this prep to go to JRTC in the next eight months of your life is going to fucking suck, mm-hmm. but you figure out a way to, to get through that. And I'm sure that like in your civilian careers, which I haven't gotten to really experience, um, you possess some of those qualities that normal people who have never experienced that, when they're stressed to a certain level, just can't really, can't really get through some of that. And that's probably why, you know, your employer, Richie is like, you know what, this guy kind of gets it and I can push him a little harder and he's not going to crack or he's not going to crumble at the, at the first sight of, you know, a little, a little bit of discomfort. Um, And I know other people that work for, work for great successful organizations. You know, I know a couple of people that work for Amazon and Amazon is, you know, historical for, you know, for, for being known to like really, really work in their, their employees, probably a little bit too hard in most cases. Um, but you know, he's like, look, man, like I've, I've done this and I've experienced it. And like, it ain't that bad, Mm -hmm. especially considered like considering what we had to put up with and do, you know, while we were in the army. And he's like, man, like, I think that's why I'm so successful. Like some of the people that I work with or have worked, have worked around, just just can't do it and i'm like man this ain't shit yeah <laughs> right so, uh, yeah so i mean yeah so you're gonna you're gonna take that with you you know and it's it's gonna make you a better more marketable individual so yeah let me tell you this these different internships i'm doing i've had to do different interviews and stuff and some of the stuff they're asking me like you know, are how are you? Are you okay with not having running water? Can you live in an austere environment without a lot of amenities? Like, how do you deal with? How do you cope with being, you know, in an area where it's a pretty enclosed space with lots of different people and communal living? And you know, how do you deal with the stress of that? Like, how do you resolve conflicts between individuals? What do you do if you have a problem with your supervisor or your boss? Like, do you, you know, all these things where I'm like, dude, I have zero problems with any of that like you know that's just like another day like living in a confined space with a bunch of people and I just imagine that a lot of these 
types of um, organizations I'm working with get a lot of recent college grads or even high school grads who are just really young with no life experience and no, no military experience on top of that. And they've just not done things like this. You know, they show up and they're probably like, what's the Wi-Fi password and where, where is the closest Starbucks? I don't know. I'm like exaggerating, but I imagine that there's people with that type of mindset and they're like, wait, what? Like I have to share a room with six other people and there's like all these bunk beds and there's no cell service, you know? So it's hard to put that on a resume. Like, Hey, I can, I can deal with really shitty situations and, and still be smiling at the end of it. But like you said, it's, it's something that everybody in the military gets to some degree. And it is, it does mean a lot to, to employers. Yeah, that it, 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 it is really hard to quantify. And, I, and I'm, I'm curious as the, you know, if you can really put a number on the amount of suck that <laughs> most people have actually, like if there was a, like a suck quantifier, right. Cause the, you know, the, the probably the most, popular army cliche is you know embrace the suck <laughs> but over the past 10 years how much quantifiable suck have i actually embraced and yeah. i'm i'm curious as to like what my number would be it is way the fuck up there though i can guarantee you that <laughs> um and what, what if i was if i was going to put a number on on how much suck i've embraced over the past mm-hmm. decade I, somebody would hire me i'm sure just like this guy kind of gets it he can yeah. do this well, what, what are you looking at? What are your next years look like, Tyler? So you're at Eglin now. How long? So I'm at Eglin there? now. Um, I, my primary zone is, you know, the, the board is convening. I should have results um, this fall or winter. Um, really hoping to get resident ILE out of it. Uh, I'm looking to hopefully go to the Air Force ILE in Montgomery. Um, my wife is in the Army as well. She's a JAG officer. Um, and she's digging it. She's having a really good experience. She's working for, um, seventh group down here. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she had a really good experience when she was up in Alaska as well. Um, so she, she's liking it. She's wanting to stick around and, and stay in the army as well. So, um, you know, thereby, you know, like I, I am too. Um, so hopefully ILE, hopefully resident ILE. And then, um, if that works out great, if it doesn't do the satellite thing, and my whole goal is to just try my best to stay on this side of the the U.S. You know, I spent my entire career in the Pacific Northwest, so which was excellent. It was an awesome experience. I loved Alaska, and I really enjoyed Washington. Um, but it's just so far away from family and and friends. It's hard to get home mm-hmm. um, and make it make it affordable and efficient. So I'd really like to you know stay stay around here. North Carolina, Kentucky, Georgia, um, maybe as far west as Colorado would probably be as far away as I'm, as I'm, you know, I would be happy with. Um, but it would be cool to kind of stay in the south because that's where we're from. Okay. Um, but yeah, the, the you know, <clears throat> the next the next step is doing the, you know, the widely feared and largely unanticipated field grade time, which just I'm not necessarily jazzed about because all roads lead to the same place for us. You know, it's once you're done with command, it's, it's all staff pretty much after that. And that's in every, Mm -hmm. every single, um, you know, line of work that the military has to offer from, you know, Delta to special forces, to EOD, to logistics, MPs, you know, once you, once you become a field grade officer, you're, 
you're doing battalion or brigade or division level staff in some, in some functions. So um, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try and do that as, as, as good as I can and be as happy as I can about it. Um, and I'm, and I'm looking forward to the opportunity and I'm looking forward to the challenge. Um, but I don't want to, you know, I don't want to lie about it and be like, I'm, man, I can't wait to be a major. Yeah. That sounds fun because there's nobody that enjoys that. I don't care who they say or what they're saying. Like, no, you, you had a great, you know, I had a great experience when I was, you know, when I was a iron major or whatever the hell, you know? no, you didn't. <laughs> You did not have a good time as a major, man. You got, you know, like being a lieutenant again, only you're just, you know, you're paid a little more, but you're, you're working for, you know, colonels and stuff. And it's just, you're getting shit on so hard. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped about it a little bit, but I'll, uh, I'll make the best out of it. Cause that's what, <laughs> that's what the army has, has taught me to do in the past 10 years, make the best out of shit situations. Totally. And your wife's enjoying it and you guys are going to be moving together and, and experiencing it together. And it's like, that is the one thing that the army does pretty well and does right is the, the married army couples program. And I was, um, we've been really fortunate, you know, to be able to be in the same spot um, since we got married, you know, five wow. years ago. So um, had it, you know, if, if that wasn't a program or that wasn't around I would, I would almost guarantee that, you know, the next 10 years of my life would look way different or at least the next, you know, couple of years. Um, because I don't, I have zero interest in doing the geo batch thing and yeah. you know, me going here for a couple of years and in com commuting. Um, there's going to be some of that that just has to happen while I'm at ILE, um, which is kind of why I'm really hoping to get the, one in Montgomery because it's going to be closer to where she is here. If she wants to extend for a year um, or if she can PCS the Campbell or something, then I can, mm -hmm. that's a weekend drive that I can make, but all the way out in Kansas, there's not a lot out there and it's kind, yeah. of, a long, it's kind of a long flight. So, yeah. 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 Well, I'm glad it's worked out for you guys. And I even think about like just my friends who are married or other people who have like a civilian spouse and like the kind of profession you have to be in as that spouse to be able to move around so much and still like get and keep a job. It, you know what I mean? And it's just, it's, it's just good. So because the, Challenging. Yeah. It's yeah. so challenging for those guys. The dual, the dual military thing. I mean, I have friends who are dual military too, and it looks pretty rough. Like it can be rough sometimes, but at least there's that, like, you both have a job that you can keep despite all the moving and there is a good likelihood you'll be together for it. And so that's nice. That's really nice. Yeah, it works out. And it, and I was having that conversation with somebody the other day. It's, you know, it's like, um, and actually it was a, it was a the kind of the flip from the norm. She was, she is in the army and her husband um, is a uh, like, is the, the, the army spouse. Right. So um okay he does he does like real estate stuff so every time but every time they move like while he does have the experience he has to redo some sort of real estate like i don't know if he has a to license or something some sort of license, first. you know like every couple of years you know mm -hmm. um so he's he, i think they've done that in two separate states now so i, I would think it, at some point there's got to be some sort of reciprocity but i guess every state has their own little little laws and 
um, rules and regulations that you got to get smart on. Um, But yeah, that's, that's challenging. There's, there's not a lot of other, other careers out there that both can really grind and hustle. Um, But the dual military thing, you know, it, it it is challenging, but it's working out pretty well for us so far. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. What is your, what does your boyfriend do? He's a, no, he wasn't. He's a mechanical engineer and he quit. He didn't quit his job, but he left to go do this van trip and they offered, he was going to quit, but they offered for him to work remotely. They were like, Hey, can you please, would you consider doing this? And he was like, uh, sure. Because health insurance and just a little <laughs> bit of extra cheese flow to, to help with costs and stuff. So he did that. And so we just get an internet connection every once in a while using, using cell phone service he can do all of the work remote, like it's like modeling and, and design work and stuff on some crazy design software. I don't know what it's called, but yeah. So that's been, that's been pretty cool that, that you can do that. I think COVID too has just changed so much of that where just everyone's realizing what all can be done remotely. And it's, it's a lot. So it's, you know, kind of a revolution for the van life and RV life people for sure as bad as the COVID situation has, has been, and as, as, you know, as many negative complications that have arisen from, you know, the pandemic, there's been a lot of really good things that have come from Mm -hmm. it too. And it being forcing people to kind of think outside the box and figure out different ways to accomplish stuff. Um, Totally. That's, that's, I think is eventually once we figure out how to get through these, growing pains that we're going through now and what seem to be continually compounding um, is really going to kind of cause a lot of growth for just the infrastructure of the country and the world at at large. Yep. Totally. Um, Totally agree. Yeah. yeah. But, well, man, we're, we're starting to get towards the end of this uh, hour. We kind of try and keep these things to an hour. Um, But uh, yeah. So, so Kayla, if you, uh, if you got it, or Richie, you got any other any any other questions to to, to ask her or talk to her about, man? No, I I have just thoroughly enjoyed listening to you tonight. It's you know you're again Tyler kind of hinted at it earlier, but you know he and I kind of daydream about doing this all the time, and you're actually doing it, so uh, it's it's inspiring. And I you know wish you good luck and safe travels as you continue to do that all around the world. It sounds so. You got Thank badass, you. You got a badass life, so keep keep at it and, and uh you know blessings along the way so thank yeah. you um, i really appreciate it no yeah. absolutely. and there was a there was a, a list of stuff that i wanted to kind of get to and we got through most of it um there's a couple things that i didn't get to quite ask you about but maybe we'll save that for the next the next podcast if you can come back on and talk to us again sure maybe it'll be after i've i've done some overseas traveling so i'll have some more interesting stuff to talk about no that would be <laughs> awesome it, it would be fantastic to catch up with you maybe, you know, in six months and just like, where is she now? Like, how's it? Totally. Tell, tell us about the baby sea turtles. Like, I'm, hell I'm yeah. The jaguars, uh, all that would be cool. But you have, now before we get off here, please plug all of your social media stuff, uh, any of that that you want people to know about, because we want people to be able to keep up with you if you would like that. So. Okay, you just mean plug. You just mean like say it, right? So yeah, it's, on, it's in the recording. Uh, yeah, just yeah. Make sure. yeah, just say just, it and then, and then verbally uh, verbally plug it into the iPhone. Okay, right now. I'm yeah. just making sure. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> my one yeah. brain cell is in overdrive right now. Um, 
I, I have, I really, the main thing is just my website. I learned how to make a website. It was very painful because I'm not a tech person, but it doesn't look too bad. So the website is a captainslog.com. And then from there, there's the social media stuff is on links are on there and everything. So people don't have to go on a wild goose chase, but yeah, a captainslog.com. And that's where I'm trying to, to learn how to write and document things. Um, so everything's kind of on there. Yeah, I pulled up your website. It looks fantastic. I would you know, it look super professional and it's it's well laid out, easy to navigate. So Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so happy to hear that. I appreciate yeah. that. I worked very hard on it, so thank you. Okay, you're killing it. Keep it up. <laughs> thank you. Awesome. Well, Kayla, thanks for thanks for coming on again. Um, really appreciate it. Hope we can catch up in the next couple of weeks. Um, hear some more stories, maybe talk about some of the stuff we didn't get to. Um, but seriously, thanks for doing this. Best of luck, um, during your internships and your, you know, whatever life has in, has in store for you moving forward. This was a, this was a good podcast and I hope you, I hope you enjoyed it. I did. Thank you both so much. It was really nice talking and or meeting and talking with both of you. So thanks a lot. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks guys. Follow uh, Captain Kayla on Instagram, a captain's log, um, on our website, and uh, make sure you follow us on uh, Seven Bravo on our Instagram as well, and look for our podcast on Spotify. So, thanks a lot, Kayla, Richie. Holler at you later, man. Okay. Bye bye. See ya.